0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. My name is Goose.
1: My name is Gabby. And
0: we are delighted to have you here.
1: Hello. Hello. Thanks. Welcome
0: back. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for showing up to yourself and to us. Mm -hmm. So on today's episode, we covered... Probably we covered so much ground. We really did. So much ground. We went everywhere from face squats to vacancy rates.
1: Mm hmm. You heard that right.
0: Talking about beef bourguignon and. Something clearance rates, clearance <laughs> rates, clearance <laughs> rates. So now we talked about heaps of stuff. So what we tried to do on this episode is give you a little recap of where the where where
1: we th- what the hell happened in Q2.
0: What happened in Q2, and where how did and how to set yourself up for Q3, and so where we were, where we went, and where we're going is probably a good way of thinking about that. Yep. We talked about everything from consumer confidence indexes to housing price indexes mm-hmm. to you know how to actually. Take care of yourself and your your spirituality on a human being level to make sure that you're staying coagulated with your vision and purpose and dreams and goals and all of that good stuff. We talked about government stimulus. God, we talked about – now that I think about it, we talked about a lot of really dry crap. (laughs) Didn't we? We talked about a lot of – it was quite dry. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not, I mean, let's get real. We talked about, what are we talking about? We talked about business confidence points and we talked about, you know, credit ratings and stimulus packages and all of that kind of stuff.
1: We really talked about it though to bring, bring people an update of what is, what's happening, what's going on, some, some key information of, to give them a bit of a temp check and what, what is happening right now.
0: Totally. And you may find some of the information, God, like just like drivel, but you might find some of it super impactful. We talked about, you know, what, cities that own better than other cities and heaps of good stuff anyway so make sure you check it out because there's, there's a sweet a cavalcade and a smorgasbord of mm-hmm. of data and information in there ready to be mined ready to be dug out like a miner so get your get your prospecting hat and go in there and have a little look and let us know what you think so if you want more of these types of episodes as well let us know um, there's a lot of information out there and i think a lot of the time we talk about how to you know, I guess we don't dig into the data quite so much, but I think sort of on a quarterly basis is probably a good idea for us to do that. And I also think that this episode is really impactful because it's going to give people some perspective of what has actually happened versus what the media said was going to happen and to allow you to make more informed decisions going forward and how to stand guard at the door of your mind. Oh, that was quite resonant there. So, did I miss anything, Gabby? No. Okay, great. So we've covered a lot of grounds. We've talked about a lot of really cool stuff. So make sure you check it out. Let us know what you think. It's a big quarterly review. We talked about the economy. We talked about property and we talked about people. And once you combine all that kind of stuff together, you're going to have a really, really strong view of what's going on. And also, also, if you want more of this kind of gear, then head to theinvestorlab.com.au. There are loads of different ways that we can help you um, to traverse this next quarter and to take charge of your financial and emotional future. So, we've got lots of free resources, compensated resources, and of course, you can book a time with us. So, we've got free downloadables that give you great insight of how to uh, how to navigate this kind of environment. Got my book, which you can get at renegadespropertybook.com. There's also a link on the investorlab.com.au. We've got a community in which you can sign up to. But then, of course, you, if you just want us to go and do the work for you, you can book in a call with us too. So, head to the investorlab.com.au. Let us know what you think, and if you like this episode, make sure you rate, review, share, do all the good stuff, and um, we'll see you on the inside. Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Hey, guys. Welcome back to The Investor Lab. My name is Goose.
1: My name is Gabby.
0: And you've made it. You've made it. You've made it. You're back home. Oh God. How are you today, that Gabby? Was
1: really creepy.
0: Yeah, it was super creepy. Oh, guys. Hello. Uh, no one needs that in their ears. Hello. No, 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 no. No, no one needs that in their ears. <laughs> What's going on, Gabby? How are you?
1: I am splendid.
0: Splendid. Mm-hmm. Splendid. How are you? Pissed off?
1: Oh, why?
0: Why? So, I'm going to tell you a little story. So, I was listening to this book, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it's a great book. It's by, it's by ben, ben the Burger Man. And it's not his real name. Is not Ben Ber- the Berger Man. Ben Bergeron. Bergeron, Bergeron, I think. Anyway, he's a he's a sports psychologist. He's a sports psychologist. Yeah, beef. Bo- his be- name is Bergagnon. Beef Bourgignon. Yes, that's right. His name is Beef Bourgignon. <laughs> Gabby, let's be serious here. I'm <laughs> pissed off. I'm angry.
1: You need some beef. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I already <laughs> got. got, got I too much beef. <laughs> you Let me show <laughs> my story. So anyway, so I was listening to this book, right? So. It's as by, as by this guy called Beef Poison. So he's a sports psychologist, and he, he's actually the coach, mindset coach and performance coach of some uh, the world's fittest people, right? So the people who have won like CrossFit games, psychos basically. So I was listening to this book at the gym, and it's a great book, and it's called Chasing Excellence, and I highly recommend you check it out. It is, yeah, super impactful, awesome stuff. If it's a little too good. is why I'm pissed off. So I'm listening to this book, right? And was talking about mindset, like getting in the mindset of of these super high performers, and I'm squatting. I'm at the gym, and I've got the bar on. And I'm putting on extra weight, and I'm I'm going, going for gold. And I'm, you know, I'm getting a bit sore, a bit tired, and I'm thinking, oh, i have got to keep going. I mean, I'm I'm getting, I this mindset of I'm in this mindset of these sort of CrossFit athletes, so I keep going and keep going, <laughs> keep going, which is great, you know, great push through some barriers and stuff like that. The problem is it's four days later and I can't bloody walk. <laughs> and so and now I'm like, oh, man, I actually had to, go, I had to take a break from the book because I was like, I don't want to injure myself. What am I like, you know, anyway, so that's why I'm pissed off, Gabby.
1: You're pissed off because you, you squatted too much. Yeah. Well, Two, well, I mean, it, it teaches you to recover, I guess.
0: No, it doesn't. No. It just teaches you to do different things. Do different things.
1: Uh, do arm squats. Arm squats. Do squats in <laughs> your
0: arms. <laughs> we can do arm squats, face squats, butt squats, face ice, ice squats. No, do
1: not do face squats. Don't do that. That sounds bad. Don't weird. do that.
0: Anyway, aside from aside from squats and being pissed off about a really good book, what are we here for today, Gabby?
1: We are here because the people want to know what the hell happened in Q two.
0: We're here for the people.
1: We're here for the people. It was a dramatic quarter. Rona. Rona.
0: Rona. That's it.
1: Just Rona, full stop. End of yep. episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. Rona.
0: No, so, right. So, there's a bunch of stuff that obviously happened since in the last quarter. Now, the last quarter has been hugely impactful in so many ways.
1: Yeah.
0: And so we wanted to do a little temp check, health check, preview, and do it in a meaningful way, not in just some sort of talking head, core logic, here's the latest... Stat. St- stats. Stat, stat. Let's, let's get down to some real talk. Let's get real. down to some... Real talk. Yeah, let's get some real talk. <laughs> Can you stop creeping into the microphone, please? Hello, oh, God. Gabby, it's... Sorry. Honestly, it's a little disturbing. All right, so... Statistics. There's...
1: <laughs> end of March, okay. start of April. Right. So, yeah. What so, happens? Where right, were
0: so we? End of March, start of April. Actually, like, we, if you go back to the, sort of the start of March, the, the economy was actually doing pretty good and mm-hmm. the housing market was, going, was coming up strong. We were looking towards double-digit property market growth across the country. Yes. You know, there was a whole bunch of really good stuff going on. And then when you get towards the end of March, obviously, we started seeing, you know, the, you know people – it's quite funny. When you think about economics and I think about economic crashes, they talk about a bank rush where people might run to the bank and try and take all their money out and cause the banks to collapse. Mm. But we had a toilet paper rush, right? And so… Oh, that
1: was at the start of this quarter.
0: Well, yeah, sort of at the end of March. We did a March market madness episode. It's great. Listen, I suggest going back to it because there was a lot of really cool stuff covered in there. The point in this episode, though, is to look at sort of what happened more recently over the last few months and potentially what's coming up in the future. Now, there's three real big parts I think we should talk about today. We should talk about the economy mm-hmm. and by and la- like at, at large you know, because this is going to massively impact by everything else really and property and people hmm. because there's no good just understanding what's happening with, with one, not the other, particularly for, for this episode and for our people. So, there's quite a lot to cover, mm-hmm. I think. So, And I want to try and cover a lot of ground. And give people a lot of really impactful information and some fresh perspectives and um, potentially some contrarian views that you won't see in the mainstream media. So, perfect, Gabby. Where do you want to start?
1: Let's start with the economy. Big ticket.
0: Big ticket item. So, yeah. it's a good place to start. Now, if we go back to start of the quarter when, well, when everything, the proverbial shit started hitting the fan. The government announced a lot of stimulus packages, mm-hmm. which I think was a bit of a masterstroke from the government. I'm not a huge, uh, you know, I don't want to politicize the podcast, but I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the government in, in a broad brushstroke sense. But I think what they've done over the last you know, quarter has been really good from an economic perspective and a financial perspective. Some people might disagree with me, and that's fine. Now, the problem is back at the end of March and the start of April, this was viewed as a six-month problem. And we're now just over three months into it. The thing, the thing there is that it's not just a six-month problem, is it? So the, the fear is that we're going to drop off a fiscal cliff in September and October. and I think we should do a whole episode on what that means. But does that make sense to you, Gabby? What's-
1: what, what is a fiscal cliff?
0: Okay, it's a fiscal cliff. That, that you might hear about in the newspapers and stuff like that is basically if the government turns off all the funding taps, so i.e. stops JobSeeker, stops keeper, you know, all of these kind of stimulus packages, if they hit their expiry date in September and October and they stop, the fear is that the economy is not healthy enough, which it isn't, it's not healthy enough to support itself and therefore it'll start to die. That's the easiest way to kind of explain it. Now, if the economy starts to die, we're all in a lot of trouble. We don't want that. Right, we're already in a recession. Interesting fact about recessions is the average amount of time a recession lasts is 401 days. Okay, so mm. so I think that that's um, an important little tidbit to to remember as we continue to go through this. And when you think, oh, why isn't why isn't this getting better all of a sudden? It takes time. So the fear is that if if the taps if the money taps get turned off, that everything's just going to fall off a proverbial cliff. Now, I don't believe that's going to happen, largely because the government's not stupid and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ongoing stimulus which is propping up the economy. So let's maybe get stuck into what some of that stuff is. What do you think? Great. Great. Okay, so the first, the first matter that we want to attend <laughs> to is banks are extending their mortgage holidays terms. Hmm. So it's not an automatic extension. It's not an automatic extension, but you can, you can request an extension. I think it's another four months, I think which is pretty interesting. Now, why that is important to the national economy is because largely Australian consumers have got their wealth stored in property. A couple of big driving forces behind the economy, banking and real estate. Now, there's a great book that I highly recommend people check out called The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking. And Gabby and I were having a, having a little <laughs> laugh earlier because I actually, I've got three copies. It's not a cheap book and it's not that easy to get. And I um, somehow I managed to, bu- I, was, I was a little impatient. <laughs> I was impatient. And I wasn't sure if the books were getting sent to me. So I ended up buying three copies of it, much to Gabby's. um.
1: Guys, if you want a copy of the book, just let uh, just know. let me know. And I will hide them from Goose and send them to you.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So, now, the interesting thing is that banks are, banks are actually in a really good position. So our, our banking sector is maintaining itself well, profitability and stuff like that. So that's really important. Um, that is really important. And they're in a position to be able to extend holidays to, to consumers, which means that... So the big fire sales that people were expecting to come in September and October are probably still not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about uh, property market buoyancy in a bit, but I think it will end up circling back to this mortgage holiday thing a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is job seeker and job keeper and these kind of business um, stimulus, business and job and unemployment stimulus packages, which are hugely important. Now, the government has announced that they are likely to continue uh, funding these and they're going to actually announce that on, I think, on the 23rd of July, they're talking about a big um, big funding announcement on that. So keep keep your eyes peeled for that because I think that's going to have a huge impact on on where this economy goes. The reality is though, the government is actually prepared to keep keep funding this. Now they're they're leaning into quantitative easing to solve a lot of problems, which I fundamentally don't have a problem with. I think that there is a risk of inflation, but I think cre- the credit markets will stop the stop inflation rising to any kind of meaningful level. So. When you, when you combine this, the government spending with the low interest rates and their quantitative easing, I think, we've, I think we've got a bit of a cushion right. Now, the government is prepared to, to – they've already announced they're prepared to go to a trillion dollars in deficit, which is pretty big, and it's going to be the, lar- it'll be the largest deficit in Australia's hi- history. Now, the thing with that is that says to me that they're, that they're prepared to do whatever it takes to keep our country going. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So – then we need to start thinking about okay cool so the government is starting to is, is prepared to to keep the taps running and obviously there's going to be some adjustment to that and i think we all need to settle in for a for a longer for a longer ride particularly when we're seeing you know in victoria with, with additional lockdowns and you know potential rise of of second waves of covid and we could talk we'll talk about whether you know we, anyway i don't want to go into conspiracy theory land there but <laughs> the reality is what we need to think about is what's actually happening on the ground how does this impact people because without people spending money Businesses don't work and property markets don't work and stuff like that.
1: How's consumer sentiment at the moment
0: good good question so consumer consumer confidence which is a really great metric on the health health position or attempt check on the on the country mm-hmm. consumer confidence is back up to 93.7 points which is just above the january benchmark of 93.4 so if you if it's
1: above january
0: it's just above january so if you if wow. you if you think back to what you were doing in january yeah we were going to the beach butch and beach. Uh, we were having a really great time and you know, I, I think people can. I think it's easy to kind of throw your mind back to January and go, "How was life then?" Hmm. Now, consumer confidence score levels are, are basically back up to that. a little higher than they were back then, and coming off a low base of sixty-four point six one points, that is um, pretty. It's very significant.
1: This this is national. Yep. Why do you think it's gone up that high again?
0: Because I think people have gotten over the initial fear shock. Right. So we have entered into a phase of, of this all sort of being a bit of a new normal. Now, yes, Melbourne's just been put back into lockdown and no, that is not normal. But I think people have started to realise that the world is not ending and, it's just, and this is just a challenge that we all face together and that we need to move through. Mm-hmm. And so by and large, I think that the normalisation factor has, has played a huge role in confidence. You've got to think about it like this. From a confidence level, you know, Anytime something new happens, anytime you do something new, you're less confident. Anything, right? You could be doing squats for the first time. Face squat. Okay. You could be doing, you could be doing your very first face squat <laughs> and, and you're not going to be that confident about it. I can give you some tips later. Now, the, the reality is that the more you do anything or the more accustomed you get to something, the more confident you get. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be, it could be taking dance lessons. It could be jumping into cold water. It could be whatever. It doesn't really matter. So that affects confidence. Now, confidence is a really good measure of how people act and, and how people behave. Now, in New South Wales, you see, it feels like things are sort of back to normal. And as people start to feel like things are back to normal, they start to behave with greater levels of normality. Interestingly, savings rates are actually up a lot. So people are mm-hmm. saving a lot more money, which is good. So, yeah, I think that's a really good measure. The other really good measure is business confidence, which has risen so, so on a massive upwards trend. So business confidence has gone up to minus 20 points. Now, minus 20 points doesn't sound great, but when you're coming off a low of, of minus 65 points, that's a 300% trend increase over the last quarter, which is a massive shift in business confidence, which says that a lot of businesses have adapted and they are making this necessary changes to be able to continue serving people. So the more that we adapt, the more that we can overcome. And that's, that's, what, that's what the human race does. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Darwin talks about survival of the fittest, he's not talking about the survival of the strongest, the survival of the most adaptable. And that's what we're doing here. And that's why I think that what we are seeing right now is a shift in the way people are thinking, acting, and being. And that'll have the greatest impact on the economy. Now, the reason Australia has maintained its AAA credit rating, which is another really interesting fact, is because they've managed to manage the economy and the sentiment quite well. So when you look at places like the US which has 4% of the global population and 25% of the global coronavirus cases you know the sentiment there is a lot lower you've got riots and you've got all kinds of gross stuff going on over there that's not good mm. whereas in Australia we we are essentially in a lucky country and yes we are we definitely are and the reality is there is a lot of support you know financial and emotional and, and all of that kind of stuff which is allowing us to have greater levels of continuity which is allowing us to, to overcome we've got the right support we've got Ben the Burger Man in our ear in some way <laughs> So we've hit a couple of points there, right? So business confidence is on a strong upwards trend It's rising from a from a low of negative sixty-five up to negative twenty, which is a three hundred percent upward trend shift. Interest rates are remaining pegged low, so at 0.25%. I think it would be extremely unlikely for them to go negative. I don't think mm-hmm. that, that I don't think the government will do that. I would be extremely Record say so extremely prized if that becomes the case. Um, I think they're just going to be leaning further into uh, quantitative easing to prop up spending and to keep the liquidity moving. So we hit on consumer confidence. So that's back up to ninety three point seven points, up from the January benchmark of ninety three point four. So that's another good sign. Tra- Australia has maintained its AAA credit rating, which is very good too. Let's talk about unemployment. Okay, so let's talk about unemployment. So now, do you remember, Gabby, what? Uh, the media was saying was going to happen at unemployment rates when we were back in March. Skyrocket is probably a pretty good term. Now, there was a lot of – when we go back to April and March, and this is going to be really interesting. When we go back to April and March, we were told that unemployment was going to hit um, 10% to 15%. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And we were told the property market was going to crash by 30%. Right, these are pretty significant numbers that were getting smashed around by the media. And we haven't seen them transpire. So currently the um, currently there's nine hundred and twenty seven thousand people unemployed, which is not great, right? And that's putting the jobless rate at about seven point one percent.
1: Seven
0: point one percent. Which is high, which is significant, but it's a long way off the ten to fifteen percent that was being shouted back in April and April and March.
1: Mm. Do you know roughly what it was back in like the start of the year, January? Like what's what's a mm. good baseline?
0: Five yeah. I'd have to go back and double-check exactly, but it was around 5 Yeah. So, yeah, I had, don't, don't quote me on that, but that's a, that's a pretty good measure, About yeah, 5%. no, employment. I just mean
1: for context.
0: For context, yeah. So, so it's gone up. It has gone up significantly. 2.1% increase in unemployment is, is significant, and there's no downplaying that. But it's certainly not the social unrest levels that you would see if it was above 10%. There's a generally understood... Principle that once you get over 10% 10 unemployment, you start to have social cohesion issues, which is why, you know, when you look at the US, they've got 50% unemployment.
1: Do they really? Yeah.
0: So the problem and the problem is with that when you've got over, when you've got around half the people not working, it's very hard to create any meaningful stimulus. Yeah. So... We're in a very lucky position here. And all of that really lends me to believe that the economy is actually in pretty good health. And I think we're actually seeing that reflected in the property market as well. Mm-hmm. The share market has, I'm not able, I'm not legally able to give any advice on shares, okay? But you know, here's an interesting here's an interesting thing. The amount of amateur traders that have gotten, in, gotten into the stock market over the last few months has actually propped up, propped up prices and it's largely overpriced. If you actually want to dig into it right now, I would suggest ASX is overpriced on a price-to-earnings ratio. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a general measure about you know, the, the value investing value of, of a share. Is it priced at a hell of a lot more than it makes? In this case, Yes. I think we need to be cautious about that, about the, the volatility of the, of the stock market. Mm-hmm. And I saw an interesting graph the other day to track the share market now against the share market trend line in the Great Depression, and it was almost identical. And that's obviously, that is obviously slightly concerning, but I think that what we have now is we have a different economic outlook on how to manage these situations, having had the benefit of hindsight to look at what happened back then.
1: Do you want to quickly share the story you were telling me yesterday about, was it Hertz? Shares for Hertz at the moment?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So Hertz went bankrupt. Hertz went bankrupt. So Hertz, the car, H-E-R-T-Z.
1: Yellow, higher car.
0: They're yellow. So they actually went bankrupt basically. And, and it was interesting. All of these, all of these yeah. stay-at-home amateur traders using an app called Robin Hood. they were all looking at the price going down for Hertz. And now Hertz is a name that we know. And the uh, shares are getting cheaper, right? Buy low, buy the dip. And they're just like following all this really, really, you know, vague kind of, uh, you know, stuff that heard, right? Buy, buy low, buy low and sell high and all this kind of stuff. And so Hertz actually filed for bankruptcy and there was people still buying the shares because they're like, oh my God, they're so cheap. They're basically free. And in the bankruptcy hearing in the States, Hertz, actually, because it so many people had started buying their shares, their valuation had gone back up and they'd already filed for bankruptcy. But then they said, actually, they said to the court, hey, our price has gone up. Can we actually just sell a bunch more of our shares? Because there's all these people buying them and that'll actually give us enough liquidity to keep going. They were allowed to sell shares in a dead company. Two people who had no idea what they were doing which gave them the liquidity to revive the company again it, it, it is absolutely it's madness That's it is absolutely madness and what is even greater madness is on the share release documents Hertz basically said everyone is gonna lose money <laughs> like they said yeah if you buy these shares you're gonna lose money because it was, it was a dead company they'd gone bankrupt and in any case, it's giving them the liquidity to keep going and giving them a lifeline. So it's, it's wow. madness what's happening in it's there.
1: It's amazing. It's going to be amazing to see what kind of precedence that sets, though. 100%. Wow. Yep. Crazy world.
0: Crazy. All right. So let's talk about property markets. So we've kind of touched on so the, the general temp check on the economy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about property markets because we have not seen the 20% to 30% crash.
1: No. No.
0: And as I I touched on, we've got mortgage holidays that are being extended. We've got government stimulus being extended. At least a lot of people have been sitting on the sidelines, you know, thinking, oh, when September and October comes, that's going to be my time to buy in. I would say to you, if you've been waiting out of the market, waiting for that, then you're waiting for the wrong signals. You're, You're looking at the wrong stuff. So, I mean, vacancy rates generally up. Right, so let's talk about let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Adelaide's the only capital with a sub one percent vacancy rate nation, uh, citywide, which is really interesting. Let me just get some statistics uh, because there's some pretty interesting stuff that's gone on here from a from a price perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So there was all these pundits in the media saying it was going to drop twenty to thirty percent. Would you like to know how much the property market has declined over the last quarter?
1: The property market, like the, the property, national, yeah, national, 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 national or market.
0: national national property market. I'd love to know. Actually, can I ask you, do you, want to take, can you, can you take a little punt? You know, they were saying 20 to 30%. The economy's tanked. Everyone's, gotten, everyone's lost their jobs. Yeah. World's ended. Rona, Rona, Rona. What Rona. do you think's happened?
1: 10%. 0.8%.
0: No way. Yeah, less than 1%. No, well, that's
1: not 30%, is it?
0: No, it's not. And the division of that, and here's the thing, here's the thing, right? You're not hearing this in the media because the media is paid to sell bad news stories. Yes. Here's the thing the combined capitals. So all the capital cities combined was negative 1.1%. Regionals were up 0.3%. Let's break this down just a little further because there was so, we were getting told that whole, everywhere is gonna, it's all going to crash. And everything's going to go tits up. Let's actually break down, and I'm going to get into this, some, real, some real finance stuff here. Let's actually break down what that has actually meant on a per-city basis. Awesome, yep. Okay, so over the last quarter, Sydney property prices, and again, there are markets within markets, right? So, we're still using some generalization here. Sydney property market lost 0.8%. Okay? Mm -hmm. Melbourne lost 2.3%, which is actually the largest drop nationwide. Mm -hmm. Brisbane dropped 0.2%. Now, there are some parts of Brisbane which have actually been going really, really well as well. So, again, there are markets within markets. We are are taking generalizations here. Adelaide was up 0.7%. Okay, so that was actually, we actually got a capital there that was actually making money Mm -hmm. whilst others were losing it. Perth was down 1.4%. Hobart was up 1%. Darwin was actually up 0.4%, which is a bit of a surprise, and Canberra was up 0.7%. So when you look at that, the markets that lost money in the last quarter from a property perspective or lost or change in dwelling values is a way to think about this median prices, Sydney lost money, uh, Melbourne lost money, Brisbane lost money, and Perth lost money. So, that's, that's a, I think that's very interesting because I think that it throws all the normal media sentiment and normal media narrative straight into the fire because you absolutely can't dictate what's going on on a national basis, first and foremost. And also, and also you need to think about there are so many different other factors that, that play into this. So, Adelaide, interestingly, prices have gone up and vacancy rates are below 1%, which I think is a, a unique situation. So. The other thing about all of this, though, is that um, we're seeing a population shift and a population change. Now, what I mean about that is that most people, are like lifestyle is become, becoming one of the larger drivers of where people want to live.
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, less, less about proximity to work and, and career aspects, I suppose, and people want to live more near family and a good life I would imagine.
0: Absolutely, which is why vacancy rates in Sydney have increased to 4% citywide and the CBD's got vacancy rates of 16%. You know, it's nuts because yeah. people don't need to be near there anymore. So, what we're actually seeing is a, is a shift to, you know, people who want, uh, are seeking greater lifestyle benefits, so living near beaches and nicer houses or, or going a little bit further because they only need to telecommute as opposed to traffic commute to, to the yeah. office. Uh, which is really changing a lot of the, of the geodynamics of the property market nationwide. So I think, it's, I think it's hugely interesting. Right. So we've talked about prices. We've talked about values, which have remained pretty stoic, I would suggest. Stoic, G- you reckon? Stoic. I would say stoic. We've seen it pretty strong. Given, given, given everything that's going on in the market, right, I actually think it's 0.8% price decline, which is actually largely centered around the capital, like the majors. So, we're talking about Melbourne and Sydney. And really, that's largely because the tops have come off, right? That's largely impacted by the, the price to value ratio. So, that's, that's like when you've got properties that are worth millions and tens of millions that are losing proportional amounts of value, it impacts the median prices across the whole city. Yeah. Right, So what we've actually seen, what we've actually seen as buyer's agents is that by and large affordability and sub $500, sub $500 rent positions is actually held extremely strong and has actually been growing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's represented when you look at some of the regionals and when you look at some of the smaller capitals like Hobart and Adelaide and things like that. You do see that push to affordability and that, that's largely because from a security perspective, People are seeking out the opportunity to have less financial risk and you always see it whenever there's an, an economic tr- contraction, people can press down, not up. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier for someone who's got an expensive house to downsize than it is someone who's got a cheap house to upsize. So have you got any questions on that, Gabby? Does that all make sense?
1: It does make sense. I think it's, I think it's really important to, to have that context about like, you know, back, in, back at the start of April, there were those 30% speculations yeah that it was all gonna turn upside down and obviously everyone only can make the any predictions or forecasts with whatever they know at the time and nobody knew what was happening at that time the difference is that a lot of people can choose to buy into that speculation or you can choose to do your own research or just stand a bit as you say a bit remain a bit more stoic and think well this is an opportunity and 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 how do, I, how do I find what I need to find to make the moves that are right for me rather than just freaking out and doing what the, what the crowds are doing?
0: Totally. And it lends right into our core strategy, right? So the people that we've helped buy properties over the last quarter are actually doing really well. You know, property prices have either gone up or remained fairly stable, which is all, which is all well and good. Their properties are producing net positive cash flow. Yeah. Life's good. You know, like they're, they're better off financially and emotionally than if they had waited in fear. And I think that's that's true across the board. We've actually had a lot of clients who who have stared the whole Rona situation square in the face and said, no, I'm going to do what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones making the greatest gains. And I think there's a lesson there. I think there's a lesson there for everyone. You need to know where you're going and stay the course, because there will always be movements. Now, an interesting thing, an interesting kind of leaning into the stats again, and as an indication of consumer sentiment, auction clearance rates tanked out at about 30% in April, which was very low. It's very
1: low, yeah. Very low. In April.
0: In April. But they're back up into the mid to high 60s now. So that's and, – and mid to high 60s is a really good measure of, of a very active market. I, I, I look at this stuff day in, day out, mm-hmm. and I can see there are some markets that you probably want to avoid. But I just can't – I just can't see these, these huge impactful contractions that, that people keep talking about. Now, obviously, Melbourne going back into lockdown, that's going to affect some – that's going to affect some auction clearance rates there, and there's some stuff around that, of course. Yep. But we're not seeing that nationwide. And I think the reality is that what we saw once restrictions were eased a little bit is we saw the market immediately start to rebound. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I think that that is an indication of of their of the market health rather than, and being being controlled by restrictions rather than the market being sick in a general sense. So you know. One of the one of the big things that's been driving the property market though is the fact that there's low stock. So when there's low stock and a lot of buyer interest, obviously that keeps property prices buoyant. So there is a little bit of a bit of a flaw that we've found there. And and what that is a lot being driven a lot by is first home buyers. Now there's first home buyers moving into the market to buy existing properties and to buy new properties. The reality is, first is if you're a first home buyer and you're looking to get in the market, there has never been a better time. We've actually had clients who came to work with us to buy an investment property, and then they're eligible for the, all the first home buyer stuff. And it's actually like, well, that might actually be a be a better decision for you right now. Mm-hmm. The reality is, if you play your cards right and you use all the all the packages, you can get into the game for about eighteen grand, which is amazing, which is outrageous, yeah, which is outrageous. Now, the interesting thing though is that um, I read I read a story the other day that said eighty five percent of eligible buyers, eligible first home buyers, had never even heard of the first home buyer scheme. Really? Yeah. So eighty five. So why? It, well, I don't know. Bad, bad press. Not sure. Bad, bad media distribution. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure uh, how or why they haven't heard of it. But that's a really interesting thing. The eighty five percent. So the first time buyer scheme has been propping up huge amounts of the economy. In it's been driving construction and you know property market prices and all of that kind of stuff. It's definitely had a big impact. Mm-hmm. But it's just fascinating that 85% of people who are eligible for it still don't even know what it is. And I'd love to know what that impact might be. I don't know if the government was better at Facebook ads or something. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> yeah, that scummo. So I think there's a, there's a few factors there. We've kind of talked about in a general sense what the property price has been doing across cities. We've talked about sentiment and how that's been impacted. We're not seeing the property price, property prices dropping off um, and unlikely to see that over the coming months as well. Largely because sellers are staying put and they don't need to sell. Plus there's more people entering into the market. So what I would say now is that the heat that we see in many markets across the country is very similar to the heat that we were seeing back in February and very similar to the stock shortage levels. So I think that right now the market is, is exhibiting a lot of uh, overt signs of, of health and uh, I think it's a really interesting time to be in the market. And look, I, I want to preface all of that by saying that I am an optimist but I'm also a pragmatist. And what I mean by that is I don't look for the signs that the property market is good. I look for the signs of what the property market is doing. And uh, mm-hmm. same with the economy. Yep. The reason for that is I could think of nothing worse than, than marching headlong into a bad situation. And I, I believe that the principles that we talk about and the views that we have, high-level thinking enough that, that is designed to be able to be adaptable and maneuverable. So, for example, if the property market was to flip upside down and replicate what happened in the US in the 8 09 crash, you know, you would just need to change your strategies to make sure that kind of stuff work. And look, I, I tried to take an open perspective with it. And I'm actually, I'm not, as I say, I'm not looking for things to be good. I'm just looking for the things that they are. Mm-hmm. And I just, can't, I just can't see the same negativity that's getting sent, sent out in all of the media publications. But none of that matters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What, what do you mean?
0: <laughs> well, none of, it, none of it matters. None of it matters because at the end of the day, all I have just spoken about is a whole bunch of stats and data and really who gives a shit, right? Because unless you know how that relates to you and your unique situation where you are going on a human level, then it doesn't matter. Like it literally just doesn't matter. I've talked about fiscal cliffs. I've talked about uh, mortgage holidays. I've talked about ASX being overpriced. I've talked about consumer confidence indexes. I've talked about property price indexes. Like there's a lot of meat in here, a lot of, a lot of detail. But here's the thing. In the last quarter, on an emotional and spiritual and, and metaphysical level, I think people have faced challenges like they've never faced before. We've had mm-hmm. social disconnection, which is hugely impactful on human psychology. And I can talk about, you know, from a, on a personal level, it's, it's my mum's 60th birthday that I can't go to her birthday because Victoria's gone back into lockdown. I think that more than ever, people need to stand guard at the door of their mind and understand where they're going and, do, and focus on the seed of life that we talk about quite a lot mm-hmm. and understanding if they're on track with their mission and vision and values and actually moving to where they, they need to go. I mean, we've done a lot of personal work on that. I can talk about, you know, we can talk about ours from a, on, a, on a personal level for, for the last three months. It's been, it's been challenging. It's yeah. been so challenging. Health-wise, you know, m- momentum, mindset, all of that kind of stuff. And it's caused us to really continue to go back and review all of our goals and, and, and make sure we're still on track. And I, I think now than ever, I think the, the big message moving into this quarter is, is to make sure that you're doing that. Make sure you're assessing where is your health at. Is it where you want it to be, and what are your health goals for this coming quarter? And and you know we set we set objectives and key results at the start of last quarter, and basically didn't meet a single one because the whole world just turned upside down. Mm. So I think now is a really good opportunity for people to actually sort of go go. Okay, look, let's stop for a second, take a day, sit down with your loved ones, sit down with your friends and your family, and go. Okay, what are we all going to achieve this quarter for ourselves on it for our human spiritual selves so there's seven key areas in the seat of life and i just want to hit on them just as a little quick reminder to the, all of this information that we've talked about today economic economic and financial market information is is fascinating but it really relates back to you you really got to relate it back to who you are and where you're going mm-hmm. so you're going to think about you know where are your health goals at you know where are your social goals at I know I can talk about it from a personal level. It's been very hard. I'm quite extroverted. It's been very hard being disconnected. I've speak, but I've been speaking to my, my family pretty much every single day on the phone, which has been unique and interesting. And that's helped keep my family connection really strong. You know, where are you at financially? Are you saving more money? Are you, are you tracking? Have you got a budget? Are you doing all of that kind of stuff? Are you, how are you preparing yourself now for what you can do in the next quarter and in the next year? From a career level, what are you doing? Are you still in the job that you want? Is your job safe? Can you start a new business? Well, like what, is, what is the goal for you over this coming quarter and how are you going to assess that? And of course, mental. How are you going to stand guard at the door of your mind and make sure you're still setting yourself up for success? Mm.
1: I, think it's, I think it's important because you know if you go back to the start of when, when the whole COVID situation started taking over, a lot of people... You know, you retre- you retreat, and there's uncertainty, so you don't want to push yourself too hard because you don't really know what's around the corner. You don't want to you don't want to spend too much energy on one thing because you might need even more energy tomorrow, and you just don't know. So a lot of people, those goals and those values in those areas get thrown out the window because you're kind of you just kind of put yourself on pause, and then you think, well, I'm not sure what's happening right now, but in ex- like in a certain amount of time in the not too distant future it'll all kind of go back to normal, I suppose so I'll just go a bit into hibernation for myself out of like self protection and survival but what we're seeing now is particularly like Melbourne's gone back into lockdown, so we need to like it's been, it's been three months it's been a, it's been over a quarter now of this you know new new way of living and we need to remember that we need to take care of ourselves and we need to maintain our values and maintain progressing to become the person that we want to become and and keep living in that way because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but that doesn't mean that you stop that you stop doing that today
0: yeah, m- yeah. much 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 more is achieved in life through action than in than indecision but that doesn't mean that you just go and randomly do stuff. As you pointed out, you've got to protect yourself and you've got to take stock and you've got to make sure that you are doing what's right for you because, yes, I believe wholeheartedly that if, that if building wealth and achieving greater levels of freedom and prosperity is a part of your plan, then you should steadfastly continue on that pathway. But here's the thing. Like you can't do that at the expense of your overarching wellness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more important that you are spiritually and intimately connected with your purpose and where you're going in life because real wealth really does start on the inside. And I think now more than ever, people need to make sure they're doing that because like over the last quarter, morning routines, morning habits, health routines, you know, I've been comfort eating and everyone's been doing the same thing. Everybody talks to is doing the same thing. Right, Very few people, very few people on a human self level coming out of the last quarter in better condition, mental, physical, uh, emotional, spiritual condition than they were going into this last quarter. So now a really good opportunity for you to take stock on that and go, okay, well, how do I, how do I advance the prosperity of my human spiritual self? So when I say spiritual, I don't, I don't, I'm not you know, dogmatic about a, about a religion or a god. I mean the soul of who you are and where you're going and what your purpose is. And I think right now more than ever, I think that's going to be the biggest driver of how people react and respond to this changing world. And those who achieve greater levels of prosperity are going to be the people who seek, seek prosperity inside first. Awesome. Sweet. Awesome. Okay. So I hope that this episode has been valuable and impactful for you because we have covered, covered a, God, a bucket load of stuff.
1: It <laughs> was a lot.
0: It was a lot. It was a lot. Maybe a little too much. But in any case, I hope it's given you some valuable perspective about what is actually happening out there, not just what the media is telling you is happening out there, but what is actually happening out there and how you can use that information to your advantage as you move into this next quarter. I've, I'm actually a little worn out. After this episode, I don't know about, I don't know about, I don't know about you, Gabby, but I hope it was you good.
1: Gave it all.
0: <laughs> I did. So, if you found this episode impactful, then please let us know. Like, rate, review, share, do all of that kind of stuff. I'm stoked that the podcast is growing at about 30% a month, which means that there are people who like this kind of gear. And if you are one of them, make sure you tell somebody else who is like one of you and that's going to help us to get more people like you and, and if you're listening to this, then we love you. So <laughs> thanks for participating and I hope that this episode was valuable and if you would like more or less of this type of stuff, let us know. Send us a message, send us an email. In fact, send us an email to hello at au. Let us know if you would like more of these type of statistic data-driven conversations or if you would like more spiritual and emotional conversations or some fantastic hybrid of the two because the better we can understand what you need and want, the better we can serve you. We're, we're quite dynamic in what we can do and we just want to give you the most value really. So yep. let us know. And in the meantime, stay powerful. See ya.